This morning we are happy again to continue our series in the book of Psalms, which we're doing in the summer, so we're calling it the Songs of Summer. And I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is a a beautiful psalm. I I hope that you will remember uh, some of the lyrics. Some of the... I mean, just like if somebody cites a song that you heard when you were growing up, for some of you, just just the title of Bridge Over Troubled Water, you, you can sing the whole tune. Because you get the little line. There are some lines in today's text that are so good that I hope they'll do that for you. That you can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And you'll have that line when you're tempted to be afraid. So, let's read Psalm 27. Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, Yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. But the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. One of the challenges of having to speak to you every week about the Bible is that the Bible has a vastly different frame of reference than we do. You read in Psalm 27 about my enemies and about hiding me in your tent and putting me up on a rock. I don't know what comes to your mind when you read those things. I mean, I see... 
I see guys crawling around the mountains with bows and arrows. You know, I see somebody on top of a rock with his, with, with his arrows and his bow and, and, you know, looking down at everybody saying, hey, I got you. Though an army encamp around me, I, I mean, I, I see some, you know, Lord of the Rings vision going on here or some um, medieval battle or Lord is my stronghold. I see castles. I mean, I have just no idea what's going on here. Really. Because the reality is, most of us don't have those kind of enemies. I mean, you will go home and there won't be anybody lurking in the bushes, you know, with their arrows drawn or meeting you on the street with their swords. You're probably going to be okay. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that we're afraid of, does it? I mean, you could, you could sort of go straight across and say, well, I saw the news. North Korea shot off a missile this week. Yeah, maybe I do have some enemies. But deep down, you know it's not exactly the same, right? So what do you make of these enemies and this fear that David talks about so much. You see, there, there are two things that he's considering as he dialogues about what he's afraid of. One of the things has to do with the enemies and the fear of what is outside. That there's an army encamped against him that his foes are about to devour him, that he, anywhere he turns, he doesn't know if he's going to be ambushed. And these enemies are his enemies. They're the enemies as well of the Lord who, uh, whose king uh, or whose people he represents. And so, he's got these enemies on the outside that he, uh, that he claims he's not going to be afraid of. Yet, there's the other side of it that is all about what is on the inside. That on the inside, his heart, he doesn't want his heart to be afraid. He wants his heart to be full of joy. He wants his heart to be confident. He knows that whether there is an enemy outside or not, if he caves in on the inside, he's in trouble. Now you realize that is a lot closer to home for most of us, isn't it? Because most of us live in eternal danger of capitulating. We live in justifiable fear of our hearts caving in underneath us and giving up or surrendering or forgetting to trust the Lord or denying that He actually loves us. And so every day, in some respect, is a battle for our hearts. To keep our hearts, you might say, on the straight and narrow. To, to say to our own soul, don't be afraid. And the reality is that the things of which we might be afraid are as varied as the people in this room. I mean, there are a few 
that we all share in common. Some of us are afraid of, uh, of dying. Some of us are afraid of public speaking. Some of us are uh, afraid of a doctor's appointment we have coming up this week. Some of us are afraid of what might happen to our children. And so we share some of those in common, but the reality is the the narrow application, I mean, what I'm afraid of for my children is different than what you're afraid of for your children. What I'm afraid of about my job is different than what you're afraid of about your job. But the reality is all of us Though the enemies may be different, though the outside might be different, the inside is relatively the same. And it's the inside that we're after this morning. That our hearts might be confident because we are rightly related to the God of the universe. It isn't just that our hearts are confident and not afraid because of God. It is... It is that our hearts must be confident and unafraid because we are rightly related to God. That's really the key of what is going on in this psalm, I think. Notice that the topic is stated in the beginning. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And he does have in mind these physical enemies, I think. There are other places in in the Psalms, where uh, he's much more general. He says, um, I will not fear though the earth gives way. Now, that's something I haven't thought to be afraid of yet. But I guess it would be pretty bad. Yeah, there's lots of things that can draw out our fear at multiple levels. And so he he raises the issue of whom will I be uh, well, of whom shall I fear? Of whom will I be afraid? That fear is the issue here. And his immediate antidote, his, uh, his answer for his fear is right here in these same verses. I want you to notice that it is the Lord who is my light and my salvation the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And, and while it is really important that you understand the character of God so that you know that God is a God who saves, that God is a God who protects, that God is a God who uh, is light in darkness, He is morally good and He gives guidance. You, you need to know all of this about God. But it really is that little possessive pronoun in front of all of these phrases that I want to draw your attention to this morning. Because if He's light, but He's not my light. If He's salvation, but not my salvation. If He's a stronghold, but not my stronghold. That doesn't help my fear. If He is the salvation of my wife, but not my salvation... I still have the same issue. If He is the light of my Christian friend, but He's not my light, it's not going to help my fear. The darkness will still surround me. And so, it is being properly related to this God that enables us 
to be as bold as a lion. It is being properly related to this God that enables us to have pressure all around us. So an army encamp against us, we, my heart, will not be afraid. Because God is God and I am related to Him in the right way. We'll see that later. When evildoers assail me, he's, he's, he's literally, for him, concerned about these physical enemies and he's confident that because he's related to God, they will stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. You see, ultimately, it's not so much the army as it is his heart that he is addressing. Though war arise against me, Yet I will be confident. When, when I, it uses the description of God, the God of my salvation. David, I think, has in view two horizons when he's thinking about God as the God of his salvation. The, the first immediate horizon is that God is the God of salvation against this army, against this war, against these foes and enemies against this immediate trouble that I have, my hope against what it is that makes me afraid really is that God will save me. God doesn't save me. I have no hope. But ultimately, His ultimate confidence, His ultimate freedom from the ultimate fear is that this God is a God of salvation And He will provide eternal salvation. That He offers salvation not just from my problem here, but from the biggest problem that I have, which is my sin, which leads to my death, which ultimately should make me most afraid. When He says, God of my salvation... The, the, Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Which is the name later on of Jesus. Because He will save His people from their sins. The, the ultimate fulfillment of God being the God of salvation is that He sent His Son to save you from your sins and from judgment and from death that comes to you because of your sin so that you don't have to fear the most fearful thing in life. And that is its end. And so whether it's an army outside right now or whether it's impending death, you don't have to fear because God's a God of salvation. You can be confident. So the first half of this psalm is nothing more than his um, assertion that God is a God who can be trusted and He is confident because God can be trusted. He says, One thing have I asked of the Lord and that will I seek after. One thing 
See, and this is, this is one of the ways that you know you're trusting the Lord. When, you, when you're not after a dozen things, you're after one thing. And you're after that one thing because you find it so satisfying and so safe and so full of hope. This one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Those of you who were here last week remember, I suppose, my long excursus, <laughs> my long parenthesis about the house of the Lord and, and the, why the house of the Lord shows up so much in these Psalms. It shows up so much because in the Old Testament it is the house of the Lord. It is His temple or His tent or His tabernacle. All of these different phrases that represent His presence. And so it is the one thing that he wants is to be present with God because he knows that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is will with us, I will not fear. What can anybody else do to me? And so that's the one thing he asks. I want the presence of the Lord. When I have the presence of the Lord, I'll gaze upon the beauty upon His beauty. I will find Him desirable, attractive. Spiritually, my connection with the Lord will satisfy my heart. And I will have audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords in His holy temple. See, some of you Maybe, maybe you need enemies. Maybe it would be great for, for our spiritual lives, wouldn't it? If there were folks with swords and bows and arrows and you know, uh, riding on horseback. with a, you know, some, some, They're coming after us. We might pray a little differently. Maybe. We might appreciate God saving us from that more than we think about Him saving us from you know, this trouble or that trouble this imaginary thing that we kind of create in our minds, it doesn't really matter. It's still the, our minds and hearts that need the work. But if we had the outside pressure, we might actually respond differently. The one thing he wants is to be in the presence of God so that he can talk to God and inquire. You can do that anytime you want. You, you have a temple. You have a great high priest who has gone before you so that all you need to do is come boldly before God's throne of grace and you have this. May God help us if we don't take advantage of it. The privilege of walking into the presence of the King of Kings and inquiring His temple. He's confident if He inquires, God will hide Him. He will conceal Him. He'll lift Him up on a rock. All of these, again, military uh, kinds of images with enemies surrounding so that He will be safe. I want you to notice in the, in the first two, it is God's shelter, it is God's tent, where he is concealed or hidden. It is in the presence of God that he is ultimately safe. I can't, I can't say that enough. That you have 
God offering to you to be present with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus came. He was Emmanuel. That is, God with us. You have, you have Him with you so that you don't have to fear. That's the beauty of what Psalm 27 does for us as Christians. It points us back to Jesus who conceals us, who saves us. And again, He affirms His confidence over His enemies. And He will offer in His tent, so in the tabernacle where God dwells, sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I'm just going to give you a little bit of foundation for your church life here, okay? The church has one, most weeks anyway, one corporate meeting a week. We gather here together and we call it by a few names, but one of the names is a worship service. Why does a church have a worship service? Because you just don't break out into song enough when you're you know, home alone? Why? Because the response of the person who is seeking God, who is looking to God to save him or her, when that person recognizes that God is going to save, that God has done everything necessary for me to be safe. For me not to fear. For me, not, for, for me to be confident. When I recognize God has done all of that thing, that He is all that I need so that I might not be afraid. When I recognize that, it makes my heart happy. When it makes my heart happy, the idea is I break into song. Okay, I don't break into song because you need to hear me sing. Or, or the other way around, just so you know. I break into song because I'm good. I'm safe. I'm satisfied. I'm rightly related to this God who is the only protection for my heart. And it's when I'm close to Him that my heart is happiest. That's, that's the initial affirmation of this psalm. If I'm rightly related to God, I, I'm safe and I make it all the way till my heart worships. The second part of this psalm is, also has to do with my relationship with God and, and it's expressed in prayer. Look at these requests. Prayer requests here. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. He doesn't assume that God owes him anything. He doesn't assume that by virtue of his you know, church attendance or temple attendance as the case may be, or by virtue of his being king or by virtue of his being good, that God owes him anything. He says, God, 
please, hear me. I am stressed out. Okay? I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not claiming perfection. He's claiming he has every reason to fear. And so he says, God, hear me. And be gracious. Give me what I don't deserve. That's what grace means. That God gives me what I don't deserve. So our appeal to Him, whether it's for safety, whether it's for satisfaction, whether it's for eternal salvation, all of our prayers to Him are prayers for grace. And ultimately, the New Testament uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that it is by grace you are saved. Okay, that's very much the message of Psalm 27. By grace you are saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It is not from your works so that none of us has any reason to be proud or boast before God. He says here, Lord, you said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I seek. This little simple exchange here is an exchange that I have with the Lord, that I need to have with the Lord. Because really, if you're not seeking the Lord, then all of this psalm, all of this hope for confidence in fearlessness, all of it is just a bunch of chatter. It's just a bunch of noise. Because the, the one for whom God is a refuge, a light, a salvation, he is, he is that for the one who seeks Him. And so it is really the orientation of my heart that, again, in this... In some respect, I feel like I'm saying the same thing every week because all these psalms have just these same refrains because you have the, the poet writing an expression of his love for God. I'm seeking you. And if we're not seeking Him, then this isn't applying to us. So here's his next request. And, and both of these are kind of general out there. Lord, hear me. Be gracious to me. Answer me. Hide not your face. Now, these are negative. Now, turn not away from me. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. All these things. Please don't just put me off. Don't send me to voicemail. Don't put me on hold. Don't turn me away. See, these are, these are simple things. Maybe you don't think that you need to pray, pray this way. Maybe you think that just you somehow have God's hotline number and He just will always pick up and you'll always just sense this warm fuzziness that comes when God answers your call. Okay, that's not really how it works. Most of us who call on the Lord feel like we don't hear the phone pick up. And so we cry out, answer me. Don't hide your ear. Part of our prayer is our expression that we're still, we still want more than we experience here. And so that's what he's doing is just please hear me and don't turn away from me. And this is just 
filled here with heartache. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. The very people that I should most be able to trust have disappointed me. But the Lord will take me in. Literally, the Lord will receive me. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Hebrew is pretty graphic. The, the, the father and mother have put me out. And God will bring me in. See, I, I come to Him because all of my other answers aren't as good. All of the other places I might turn when I'm, when I'm afraid are not as helpful as Him. So much so that it feels like those very people that I might most trust forsake me. See, the beauty of this, when, you, when you're talking about the Lord, the beauty of this is that your New Testament, in John chapter 1, verse 12, says to as many as receive Him. To those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. He will not turn you away. You, can, you may not feel like He answered. You may not hear. But you have His Word on it. That He will hear you. And so now, He becomes more specific more confident in fact that He is heard. And He says, teach me Your way. Lead me on a level path. Would You straighten out this winding road, the things that I'm afraid of with my enemies? Would You, would you make it straight? Keep me on Your path. Don't give me up to them. And so He's praying specifically about the problems that He has now. This, I think, is about his heart. Keep me on the, on the path. Would you even straighten the path out for me so that it's level? So that my heart doesn't wander? And then, on the outside, would you protect me from my enemies? And so he simply, because he relates to the Lord, prays. And then, he makes affirmation based on what he believes to be true. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will survive this. Part of my confidence in praying is that I believe God will answer. And I just love, I love this. Uh, I mean, the land of the living, some people think, well, that must, I don't know, that's the eternal life or something. He has in mind, I'm going to survive my enemies being camped around me. Right now, I'm alive. I'm in the land of living. I will stay here. And I will look upon the goodness of the Lord. Now, he is affirming his confidence that, that he will experience God's goodness while he is surrounded by an army. While he has enemies at every turn. This is, this is not, my life is easy and good and i got no problems, so God is good. What he's saying is, I have enemies, I have lots of reasons to be afraid, and I am confident that God is good. Because I don't depend on my circumstances to define God for me. 
So I'm, I believe, I am confident I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And here's his final words. Wait for the Lord. Begins and ends this verse. Wait for the Lord. I wish he didn't have to say that, don't you? Wish he didn't. Have, he wishes he didn't have to remind himself of that. That somehow God was like a light switch, right? Okay, God, I need my light, my salvation, right? My light, boom, just like that every time. Flip, 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 flip. As soon as I do that, he comes that quickly. But he doesn't, and he. And because He doesn't, it requires our faith, our patience. It requires us to wait for the Lord. What is the result of waiting for the Lord? We're back where we started. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Why? Because you are rightly related to the God of the universe who is way bigger than your enemies. Who is, who is way wiser than you are. Who can unravel whatever problem it is that keeps you awake at night. Whatever it is that causes your heart to stir up and be anxious. God is bigger than that. You can wait for Him. And when you wait for Him, you can be strong. And your heart can take courage. You don't have to be afraid. The very thing that would knock your heart off its course doesn't have to. Let your heart take courage. The enemies outside, God can take care of them. The heart on the inside, God is good for that too. And He invites you to wait, to take courage, to be strong and to believe that God is a God who will hear your prayers and who will be strong on your behalf so that you will experience His goodness. Let's pray.